Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. If you've ever watched a TV show, and I know many of us, many of us have binge-watched Netflix. We've watched a show where we, you know, I mean, it gets started, and then you go, okay, one more, okay, one more, okay, one more, and before you know it, it's three in the morning, and you've watched the whole series. If you've ever done that, I know none of you have, because you're very responsible people. If you've ever watched a TV show containing, if you will, a story that's unfolded through, let's say, 24 or so episodes, you've often heard the voiceover previously on, right? You've, you've seen this. And, and, uh, and I started thinking about that, and, and, and what you heard actually was a clip montage from the beginning of an episode that's a voiceover or a side saying previously on, like, like I think the one that comes to mind was Lost. I don't know if any of you watched that a while back, Lost, previously on Lost, and then, of course, they're showing you a montage of clips of, of what happened previously on that, and a lot, time, a lot of times they'll say, or last time, or, or a variation of that. And what it does, now listen, what it does, it serves to get the viewer up to speed, and it puts an arc relevant to the episode in question, okay? So here's what I want you to keep in mind. Keep in mind that they're the previously, whatever it might be, part two, last time, it, it serves two purposes. And you go, what's that? Number one, it serves to remind you where we left off last week. Here's why. Church, I don't know if you realize this or not, and you probably do. Whenever you hear a sermon or a teaching, we only really literally only remember about 10% of it. And a lot of that is the humor, a lot of that is the jokes. Oh, that was a great sermon, I like that. And we only remember 10%. So when we come back next week, it's important to go, oh, remember when we talked about this, this, and this, and previously. And so it, it sets our mind to go, oh, yeah, 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 I remember. I remember. The second thing it does is to help those who are watching this episode, even if they had not seen it, they're... They're, uh, they're, they, they get a basic understanding of what's happening on the show right now. So, our story ended last week, if you recall, and it was entitled, Eight Woes, Watch Your Toes. Eight Woes, Watch Your Toes. Well, today, guess what? We didn't finish last week, so we continue with what Jesus, his, really the harshest teaching in the New Testament against the religious folks. And rightfully so, may I add. Rightfully so, and I'll explain what I mean in just a minute. But I want you to remember where we left off last week. Because again, today is a continuation of really what we learned last week. You see, the Lord stepped on a lot of toes Last week, he stepped on a lot of toes. He stepped on our toes. Hence the title for today, previously on eight woes. Well, you go, Ben, what do you mean? Okay, well, let me bring you up to speed. Okay, let me, let me let you know where we're going. Jesus begins chapter 23. Now, again, back when they wrote this, there was no chapters. They, they put them in later so we know where to find where we're going. But, but for the sake of our study, chapter 23 is a teaching of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. 
Now, I don't mean that people go, oh, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, I get that. I get that Christians will say one thing and do another. I understand. But this is so much deeper in hypocrisy because what Jesus is doing, he's literally calling out the Pharisees. He's calling out the scribes. He's calling out the Herodians in this chapter. And he's actually calling out the Sadducees. You go, well, what was the issue? Why was Jesus coming so hard? Well, in your mind, remember, it's Passover week. They've been examining the Lamb of God. They want to find something on him. We know that he's going to go to the cross for our Passover, but they're examining him. They're trying to find something in him. Well, he comes up, and here was the issue. The Pharisees, the scribes, they were telling people how to live, but they themselves were not living like that at all. So he addresses hypocrisy on the religious people. Now you remember, the Pharisees, it was a good thing at, at the beginning. They, they, they wanted to point people to God. But at this time, they've become self-centered. They become in the flesh. They, 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 oh, he just, you're going to see. You're going to see what he does. It's, uh, you see, they were hypocrites. They're hypocrites. And if you recall, for the sake of our study, once again, jot this down. A hypocrite is one who puts on a mask and poses himself to be what he is not. That's a hypocrite. He puts on a mask. But it even gets deeper. The Hebrew word is rendered hypocrite, and it actually, Hebrew means godless or profane. So you can jot that down. New Testament times, it was a negative, and someone, it suggested someone was untrustworthy. So when Jesus, now look at the, look at the picture, guys. This was actually taken at Home Depot here in, our, here in Lubbock. I walked there, I was like, that's the definition of it. See, and this is what he's saying. They're putting on, let's look at the white. That's the religious. That's the, hey, let's follow God. But inside, this is what they look like. And, and when you look at putting on a mask, think about this. It was, it was godless or profane and someone who was untrustworthy. And this is why he's addressing. This is why he is, is preaching and teaching the hardest he ever will be. Could you imagine, take away the, the costume, but could you imagine the religious leaders of Israel in that day looking like that? Be like, whoa. You see, a lot of people didn't see it. Well, again, what were they saying? They were saying, they were saying, they were teaching, do as I say, not as I do. Don't look at my life. Do that. I'm reminded at a previous teaching what Jesus tried to warn his disciples about. And if we go back a few chapters, chapter 16, remember Jesus says, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. Be careful. 
And so they're thinking leaven, what, do they not make good bread? I don't understand. What's going on? The leaven. And then in, in chapter 16, verse 12, it says, then they understood that he didn't, he told them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was warning the disciples and warning us to beware of hypocritical teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And you and I, we can look at even people today, big name people, televangelists and so forth, and we can look at them and go, oh, I see. They're telling us to live one way. And then what happens is something comes up in the news, and guess what? Then we see, basically, that they're not living at all like they say. Well, today, Jesus continues with what seems to be a very sober and serious rebuke on the religious guys. What has happened? They've become hypocrites. So you go, well, Ben, what do you mean they, they step on toes? Well, again, think about it. Why? The single biggest detriment to Christianity is Christians who say one thing and live completely different. That is super hard to combat. You're trying to win people at work. You're trying to win people at school. You're trying to win people in your neighborhood. And they've got friends who claim to be Christians but live like the world. And they're confused. And we're supposed to be on the same team, church, and we're going, no, 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 that's not, I, whoa, well, yeah, but my, my friend so-and-so over here, he's Christian, he goes to this church, he does this, but then, but then he's, and then, and then they, they list a slew of things that are contrary to God's word. That's the one thing that we've got to deal with. But let me tell you another thing we've got to deal with. We've got to check our own hearts to make sure that we're not saying one thing and living completely different. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, then be a Christian. Well, yeah, but but I think that, that just means that uh, I have to be perfect. No, God's never said Christianity is perfection. What he says is just live what you believe Allow him to, to guide you and, and move you. Allow him to be who, you, who you're supposed to be. And if you make a mistake, simply confess, say you're sorry, whatever it might be, and move forward. That's what he's calling us to do. Church, it's, it's a simple thing. But please, let us not say, do as I say, but don't look at my life. Look at my life. That's what Jesus is going to address. So, for the sake of our study, real quick, let's pick it up in verse 13. We're just going to read it together, guys, and then we'll get into uh, verse 29. Verse 13, we started out, he says, But woe to you. I want you to remember this. Whenever there's a woe in Scripture, it always pronounces judgment. So he's pronouncing judgment on them, and he says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and he calls them hypocritos right here. For, here's why, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. 
Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses for a pretense and make long prayers. Therefore, you'll receive a greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel the land and the sea to win a proselyte. And when he's won, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say whoever swears by the temple is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated to, form, to, to perform it. Fools and blinds. Which is greater? The gold in the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that's on the altar, he's obligated to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside of them may be clean. Your attention, please. I want to draw your attention to this for just a moment. If you recall, the Pharisees had this amazing, all kinds of ritualistic cleaning of the cups and the dishes. They they would come first and foremost, and they would allow water to drip this way on their hand, and then they would turn it, and they would pour the pitcher this way, and then they would take the pitcher, and then they would do all of the real realistic, ritualistic cleaning of cups and dishes. They said, this is how we got to do ceremonial. We got to clean. But Jesus says, but inside their hearts, it wasn't just that they were bad. They were full of extortions for one purpose. Notice what he says, for self-indulgence. Wow. Wow. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. Are these, are these believers? Are these believers in God? Because... Because that doesn't seem right. And let me tell you why that doesn't seem right. Because you'll take a moment and you'll look at your own life and you'll realize that what you were before you came to Jesus and it's so much different than what you are after Jesus. You see, before Jesus, you were really self-centered. You were egotistical. You were, it was all about you. You were really a narcissist. But then when you gave your life to the Lord, his spirit came in you and then you were others oriented. You began to lift up, pray for others. You began to serve others. This is who, this is who God made you. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a big difference. And, but the Pharisees, they looked ritually clean on the outside, but inside. I wonder, I want to, I want to draw your attention to something real quick. I wonder what Judas was thinking right about now. You go, why? Judas wasn't a Pharisee. No, he wasn't. But he had walked with Jesus for three years. And Judas looked like a disciple. He looked like a believer. Outside. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. But inside, 
Judas didn't believe. He didn't believe. Oh, he can't be the son of God. And I was just like, wow. Do you guys remember the Last Supper? Do you remember when the Lord said, one of you is going to betray me? And everyone said, is it me? Is it me? And I think that's good. I think whenever we hear a teaching, we go, Lord, where am I in this? Where am I? I think it's good because he wants to grow us to the place where we go, oh, I think there's some, there's some hypocrisy in me. Oh, oh, Lord, forgive me. Is it me? Is it me? I don't think they recorded Judas ever saying, is it me? And I just wonder, I just wonder. Jesus continues on and he says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, For you're like whitewashed tombs, underline that in your Bible, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, also outwardly, even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And you go, okay, help me. Now, your attention, please. I want to paint a different picture because in Western, in here in America, Western, we have graveyards. We go to graves and, and they have graveyards and they, they're beautiful. They, people try to take care of them and they, they put flowers and everything. And, 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 but this is a little bit different. This is different. Let me, let me, let me paint the picture what Jesus is saying here. Okay. This will make more sense if we lived in Israel. Why? Okay. Let's say a person died. If you, uh, part of the family would die. What we would do is we would, we would have a cave. We would have a cave or a tomb. And then what we would do is we would take you, we'd wrap you up and we'd put you in the cave. We'd seal it up. We know you're in the cave and about a year, year and a half, you would decay. And we would come back a year later and we'd roll the stone. And then all that would be left are your bones. You guys with me? See, you didn't, you didn't stay in the cave. We would take your bones and then we would put them in a box like this and then we would bury them with a tombstone. This is where you are. So if you bought a cave, the whole family could use it because you'd put them in. Hence, that's why the cave and some, some of the tombs in Jerusalem, you'll have one here, one here, and one here. That's a rich man's cave because you could put two or three people, you could put grandma, grandpa, or whoever in there, and then, and then you could use it all the time. Makes you want to study the tomb that they laid Jesus in. Because I found it interesting how the angels come and one is able to sit on the head and on the feet. The different types of caves. But they were not, they were not meant for your final resting place. What would be? A box of bones buried with a tomb. You guys with me? A little bit different, a little bit different than, than our graveyards here. Okay? Now, what would happen is this. You're on your way to Passover. It's Passover. Let's go. So you're, all the family's going to Passover. You're singing. This is going to be great. You've got your little lamb. You're going to sacrifice. This is amazing. Now, the night before Passover, you decide, oh, I just need to get away with the Lord. I just need to get away and just pray. I just need to go. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up here in a remote part of Israel, and I'm just going to pray. 
And I'm just going in. So there you go, and you're, you're sitting there, and you go, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. And you're worshiping, and you look over, and you happen to see a grave. You see, you didn't see it before because it, it was all covered. It was dirty. You realize that Levitical law said you're now defiled. You can't go to the Passover. And now you're super bummed because you've got to go tell your wife, I was worshiping and there was, there was a grave right here. Now I've got to go home. I have to wait till the next Passover. You're, you, can you imagine? Get the kids, get everybody. We've, I can't believe this. So what they started to do in Israel so that wouldn't happen is they would take all the graves and they would whitewash them. And they would make them pretty. So you knew, oh, there's a grave. Okay, okay. Now going near that, they would whitewash them. And so everybody in Israel knew, oh, there's a grave there. There's a, somebody's family's there. Okay, okay. So I want to stay pure before the Passover. I'm not going near that. You see the picture? But inside there were still what? Dead men's bones. And Jesus comes and he says, listen, listen, this is what you guys look like. You're the whitewashed sepulchers. You're the whitewashed tombs. This is what it means. And I think, wow. He says, you look beautiful on the outside. You can spot the whitewash. They would clean them real nice and real pretty. You can spot them anywhere. He says, but listen, but inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You go, Pastor, what's the point? In order not to be defiled by the Jews, guys, they started whitewashing the tombs. And here's the point for us. Outwardly, we can look righteous, but inwardly, our hearts could be filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Can I say this to you? Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, comes in, he saves us, and he changes us from the inside out. He changes our thinking. We don't think in the flesh anymore. Oh, oh, it still fights us. It wants what it wants, but, but we crucify the flesh. But we're changed. We're changed. This is, the, again, we're not saying, okay, I think I'm going to be a Christian and, and I'm going to do this and do this. But in order to work my way to, to the corporate ladder, I've got I've to compromise and I've got to look a certain way and I've got to do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. We go, I'm saved. I'm saved. And then your boss comes and he says, hey, will you, will you lie and this and this or will you fudge this and this? And you go, listen, I can't. I can't. No, 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 you can. Don't worry about it. It's, nobody's going to know. And you go, no, my integrity, that my God will know. Yeah, if you don't, I'm going to have to let you go. Wow. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, let's not look outwardly. Let's not look, you know, let's put a thousand bumper stickers on our car. Let's listen to the Christian radio station. But we're leading others to hell by the way we live. That's what he's saying. And that's why I said, watch your toes. 
Watch your toes because you everybody walked out of here like this. Just <laughs> last week. Now you can see they they're like, I'm not going back to that church. Picking it up, verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn monuments of righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our father, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I like what Warren Wearsby writes. Let me quote him. He says, they killed the prophets. They permitted John to be murdered. They would crucify Christ and they would imprison the apostles and they would slay Stephen. And eventually they would fill up the measure. You go, what did, what did, what did Warren Wearsby say? Here's what he's saying. These guys are, are a little bit prideful. I want you to think about this. Jesus goes, you guys are, you guys are. He says, woe to you. He says, here's what you're saying. If we had lived in the day of our fathers, we wouldn't have done what they did kind of thing. We, would have, we wouldn't have been partakers in the blood of the prophets. In other words, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would have never joined them in killing the prophets. And I want you to meditate on that just a minute. Think about the pride of what they're saying. Why? A lot of us say the same thing. If I was there in the beginning, I would have never sinned like Adam, or I would have never sinned like Eve. If that was me, I would have never talked to a snake. What was she thinking? I've had people tell me, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a word or two with Adam. (laughs) And that's exactly what you wouldn't have sinned. And we do that. We do that. Guys, again, think about what I want you to think about how what, what they're really saying. If if that were me, if I lived back then, and it's so convicting because our lives today should represent the glory of God today. And they're saying, well, if that would have been us. And I wonder what Jesus says to them. Oh, wait a minute. He does. Look what he says. Therefore, he says, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophet. He says, therefore, whenever we see a therefore, what is it therefore? We're going to grab some application. What does he say? He's saying that you testify, the very, just the fact that you said that, you're testifying against yourselves that you're indeed descendants of those who murdered the prophet. He's basically what Jesus takes the mic and he goes, game over. You realize what you just said. We have to be careful. Everyone in Jerusalem looked up to the Pharisees because they had the they had the right place at the front of the table. They walked in long robes. They made long prayers, and everybody's like, ooh, ah. But Jesus looked in their hearts, and he said, guys, you're testifying against yourself. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And you go, well, Ben, what's the application? Well, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Jot that down. He says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
You see, Pastor Ben, I've been walking with Jesus for now 45 years. I think I've got... No. No. We have to take heed. The moment we think we're standing is the moment we fall. That, you've ever heard this before, right, church? I would never do that. Uh, No, 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 that's, no, I would, that's not even in my, and what happens is that, uh, you've heard people say that so many times, I would never do that, I would never go there, I would never drink this, I would never have, blah, 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 and it's like, no, 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 you got to be careful, here, well, here's why, because he who thinks, I got this, that's when he falls, and that's what the Pharisees were doing, they were doing, because why, because they were saying, if we were there, we wouldn't have killed our prophets like, like the ancestors did. We wouldn't have killed them. Come on, somebody. Stay with the flow. Yet, they did kill the prophets. They allowed John the Baptist to be killed. They're going to crucify Jesus in a few short days. And then, and then even Paul, Saul, who was a Pharisee, was standing there guarding the coats of those who actually killed Stephen. That's hypocrisy. Oh, we would never kill the prophets. Jesus says, fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. You go, what does that mean? Jot this down. He says, go ahead and finish what your ancestor started. Go ahead. Go ahead. But he was saying much, much more to them. You go, what do you mean? Think about it. Think about it, okay? By by Jesus telling them to finish their father's, their ancestors' murderous deeds, what's he alluding to? He's alluding to the scribes and the Pharisees the role of his impending death. Did you catch that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, because guess what? Basically, I know I'm next. I know I'm next. Oh, we would never do that. No, you're, you're going to do it in about a few short days. In, in a few short days. But Jesus calls them out, and here's what I want you to see. He's actually going to call them serpents and brood of vipers. Can you imagine? But, but I want to share something with you so serious, guys. Eternity is a very serious thing. Eternity is a very serious thing. Can I say this to you? Every one of us in this room is going to live forever. We're going to live for eternity. Well, I didn't choose to be born. None of us chose to be born. But we're here. And so the Lord says, listen, I I, want to talk to them and I want to make sure that you have the right instructions so that you spend eternity with me, not somewhere else. And I read somewhere where it says, uh, does God send people to hell? No, God doesn't send anyone to hell, does he? He puts every roadblock on the way so that we don't go to hell. People choose to go there, and it makes me sad. So Jesus looks at him in verse 33, and he says, serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Your attention, please. People said, Jesus never talked about hell. Yes, he did. 
He talked more about hell than anyone. He knows it's a real place, but he didn't create it for us. He created it for the devil and his angels there. That's what he created it for. He didn't, his whole boy didn't want nobody to go there. And he says, look at you guys. He goes, what do you mean? And this is heavy. Why? Because people will go, oh, what about Jesus who's loving, meek, and mild? I want that Jesus. No, no, no. Let me say this to you. These guys, these guys, these Pharisees at this time, they were messing with God's kids. And the Lord doesn't like that. The Lord does not like when the enemy messes with his kids and you're his kids. So what does he do? He says, you guys are hypocrites and you're leading others to hell. Snakes, he calls them. Son of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? What would you do? What would you do in that setting? There you are, you're watching, it's Passover, and here's your Jesus. You've been walking him with three and a half years. He's been doing ministry, he's been raising the dead, he's been healing, he's been feeding, this has been amazing, he's loving, the campfires are so good, we worship, it's amazing. And now he's just really serious, you're like, uh... Adam, <laughs> Jesus just called them snakes. And he talked about hell. We would be discussing it among ourselves, but he takes it very, very serious. Why? Based on their current actions, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law are on their way to experiencing God's judgment and wrath. And if you look at it, the rhetorical language, Jesus warns the Pharisees the inevitability of their judgment unless they change course. Here's what Jesus is saying. You ready? If people don't repent and change course, they will follow in the same direction as the Pharisees. You see, pastors and preachers don't talk about repentance that often. Our society and our culture as a whole don't like to hear about repentance. We don't like to hear about change, change direction. Wait, I need to stop doing this? Are you kidding me? Why would I stop doing this? This is fun for me. Yeah, but it's a sin. It's going to lead to destruction. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Me and God, we have it worked out. He allows me to fudge a little over here, okay? No, we have to repent. We have to repent. Yeah, but you know what, bro? You know what, bro? Jesus talked about hell, man, and all my friends are going to go to hell, and we're going to party in hell. Whoever said that? A lot of people have, and it's not a party. It wasn't created as a party. It wasn't created for you. It was created for Satan and his demons. That's what it was created for. And people today choose to go there because they miss the loving Savior who died on the cross for them. They're not willing to go, okay, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Change. And I think about this, guys. What, what's keeping the Pharisees? What's keeping the scribes out? Pride, arrogance, and self-centeredness. Isn't those the three things that we struggle with all the time? Well, well nobody's going to tell me. 
No, Lord, ask for your forgiveness. Because it kept the religious elite. Now, now, okay, guys, let your mind go for a minute, okay? Let your mind go for a minute. If what Jesus said is true, all of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Herodians, they're dead today. And they're experiencing hell. And I wonder how many of them are weeping. Oh my gosh, I should have listened. I was there. I was there. I just, I don't understand, Lord. I don't, I just, I just followed. And I wonder how many of them are gnashing of teeth going, oh, no, no, as they wait for their pending judgment. You see, they're not in hell. They're not in the lake of fire. That's going to come later. But let me say this to you right now. Everybody who's in Hades, we call it Hades. All the Pharisees, all the scribes, all the Sadducees, all the Herodians, they're believers right now. They're believers. They're not, they're not doubters. They know who the Messiah is. They know who Jesus is. They're going, oh. I never want any of us, church, listen to me. I never want any of us to go, oh, I should have listened. I should have listened. I can't believe I was so prideful. Because pride, arrogance, and self-centeredness are going to keep everyday people from heaven as well. And I love the fact that Jesus loves us so much and he gives us every opportunity to repent. And I want to say this to you. If you're here today, please don't put off surrendering to him. Please. Let me ask you a question real quick. What on earth, on earth is holding you that's so much better than a relationship with the God that created you? Well, my job's pretty cool. Really? My friends are rad. What on earth? Really? I mean, seriously, there is nothing on earth that says, oh, this is so, this is so ultimate that you're willing to give up eternity. Now, let me say this to you, okay? I'm going to step on some toes. Not even relationships. Not even relationships. You go, what do you mean? I had a girl sitting right here, right about where Jim is. Many years ago, I gave an altar call. People were getting saved. I looked at her. I looked at her. She looked at me. We locked eyes, and she never raised her hand. And I talked to her afterwards, and I said, I thought you were ready to surrender. You had mentioned that you were ready to. And she goes, yeah, but I'm getting ready to move in with my boyfriend in Colorado and if I become a Christian, I don't know what that will do with my relationship. Wow. Please don't tell me that. Please, Because there's nothing on earth, there's nothing on earth willing to sacrifice your eternal life with God. And see, now the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart and he's saying, hey, hey, it's time to make a change. Yeah, but you don't understand Well, verse 34, Jesus, he says, Therefore, indeed, I send prophets, wise men, scribes. 
Some of them you will kill, crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. Who's he talking about? That sounds like Paul, doesn't he? In the book of Acts, there he is, there he goes. That on you may come all the righteous bloodshed of the earth, from the righteousness of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Now, I want you to, I want you to take heed, okay? I want you to look at this verses, okay? Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, I'm, I'm going to send some prophets to you. I'm going to send some wise men. I'm going to send some scribes. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to kill them. Some of them you're going to crucify. Some of them you'll scourge. Try to teach them a lesson. Others, you're going to try to do this. You're going to, you're going to chase them from city to city. Make sure they stop talking about me. He says, and, 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 and it's very much like Abel, the righteous blood of Abel, to the righteous blood of Zechariah. Now you're going... Okay, Pastor, Captain Obvious says A to Z. What does he mean? All the prophets from A to Z? Now, let me just tell you a little bit, okay? Let me tell you a little bit. Jesus is speaking to Hebrews. It's, he, he's trying to reach the Jewish people. Everybody got that? The Jewish people believe the Bible, but their Bible was from Genesis to Second Chronicles. That's all they believed in the Bible. Remember, we have the whole, all the whole Bible. We have new. T- they didn't have it at the time. Okay, so they believed Genesis to Second Chronicles. That was their Bible. Guess who the last prophet was murdered in Second Chronicles? A fellow by the name of Zechariah, son of Berechiah. So every Jewish person would have went, "Oh, so he murdered the prophets from Abel all the way through." Our Bible, Zechariah. wasn't the prophet Zechariah. It was just Zechariah. So understand, if we study this, the lights come on. You go, oh, I didn't realize that the Jewish people only went from Genesis to Second Chronicles. That's kind of how they had their, their whole deal. And that's why when Jesus looked at him and he said, Hey, um, that you may come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. Everybody goes, yeah, Genesis first part, to Zechariah, son of Berechiah, they would go, wow. He goes, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Between the temple, right? This is what he's saying. He said, you guys have killed them. You're going to kill them. And he says, assuredly, verse 36, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. In other words, he goes, I'm going to tell you the truth. This judgment will fall on the very generation. And guess what? It did. It did. And it's almost like Jesus turns now and he looks at his disciples and he looks at the people in the crowd who are listening to him because the scene changes for just a moment. Now, we're going to close our study, but don't close your Bibles, okay? Because I, I still, we still got some verses, but I, 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 know, I want you to know we're landing the plane. So, Jesus looks and he says this. He laments over Jerusalem. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And remember, when Jesus always says something twice, it's always, oh, verily, verily. It's, it's, it, it, it's an emphasis. And he's looking, he's, oh, Jerusalem, the one who killed the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you, your children together as the hen gathers her chicks under her wings, he says, but you were not willing. See? 
your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, there's two operative words I want you to see here. Number one, look at verse 37. Jesus says, how often I, circle that word for I. You go, why? Because here's what he's saying. Jesus is always willing. He says, I wanted, and, and, and here's what he's saying to you. I want to save you. I want to save you. I came and I died for you. And you go, well, what's, what's the other operative word? Well, notice he says, how often I... He says, but you, do you see that? Circle that word you. He says, but you weren't willing. You weren't willing. Now we're going to get to that in just a second. But he says, see, your house is left desolate. Do you realize that that came true? You realize that came true. You go, when did that come true? 70 AD, Titus Aspasian comes in. Now here's what happens in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Titus comes in and he's going to take over Jerusalem. The Roman army, and the Roman army is brutal. They're brutal. They're not, they're not like, hey, we're here to take everything. Just give it to us. They come in. They rape the women, the daughters. They, just, they come in, and they're just brutal. They take over. Well, what happened is they come in, and they start, to, they start to make war in Jerusalem. Well, what would you do if someone came in to make war in Lubbock? We would fight. Well, the Jews put up a pretty good fight, but because of that, the Romans said, really? Really? And then they burned down the temple. So as a result of a little bit of, of a resistance, they burned down the temple. Well, guess what was happening? It got so hot, the gold in the temple started to melt. And it melted in between the rocks. Now, if you go to Jerusalem today, there's the part of the temple. You'll go down, and, and there's these giant boulders that testify every day that Jesus is the Messiah. They're this big. They hadn't moved them because they're huge. They're huge. And can you imagine every day as people made their way to the temple or make their way to the western wall or the wailing wall, those rocks cry out, Jesus is the Messiah. You go, what do you mean? In just a couple of short weeks, Jesus is going to tell, he's going to go, look at the temple, how beautiful it is. He says, by the way, he says, not one stone is going to be unturned here at the, stump, at the temple mount. And they went, wait, whoa, 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 Jesus, what are you talking about? Now, here's the thing. When, a, when an army invaded a city, they didn't overturn, they didn't take time to overturn rocks. You understand that. They just came in, destroyed everything, and moved on unless the gold went in between the rocks. And so all of a sudden, everybody was moving rocks to try to get the gold. What Jesus said is true. That happened. What Jesus says to you and I is true. And you go, what do you mean? Here's what he's saying. I am willing to save you. I've got a place in eternity for you. I've got a house for you. But you have to be willing. You go, Ben, what are you talking about? Listen, God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Can I get an amen? amen. 
But what I want to draw your attention to very quickly is the sovereignty of God and the free will of men because it's found in this verse. You go, what do you mean? The Lord is always willing that we get saved. And he knows who will accept him and who will not. You guys tracking with me? But he also gives us a free will to choose him. I want you to think about this statement. You ready? Love is not love if we have no choice. Love is not love if we have no choice. And that's what the Lord says. He goes, I'm here. I'm here. I'm willing. You've got to open up your heart. Trust me. But I have to change? No, you don't have to change. Just come. Just come. Come as you are. Come as you are. And when you come, then it's a choice, and you're showing and declaring your love for him. If he were to force you to be a Christian, that's not love. That's not love. So the choice is up to you. If you're here today and you're in a right relationship with God and you're looking forward, I say, amen. Can I tell you this? Enjoy his presence. Enjoy. Well, Ben, can you tell me what's going to happen next? I, I can. I can. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Okay, soon. We're going we're gonna to be there. It's going to be amazing. But let me tell you what's not going to be in heaven. You ready? What's not going to be in heaven is you able to share with somebody else the goodness of God. Everybody will know. You mean I won't be? No, do it now. Go to your neighbors. Invite them over for dinner. Share the goodness of God. Do it now. Think about prayer in heaven. Prayer in heaven is going to be a little bit different, is it not? You go, well, we're not going to be able to pray in heaven. Well, no, not like we pray now, because now we pray by faith, trusting that God's going to hear us for, for healing and health and all of this good stuff. But up there, I wonder if prayer will just turn to praise. Oh, my goodness, Lord, you're so good. So we have the privilege to pray now. Church, pray. But what if you're here, honestly? What if you're here and you don't know if you're saved? You've never, you've never committed. You might have prayed a prayer when you were eight years old and go, I got saved when I was eight. I prayed a prayer. I went to, um, I went to VBS and I got saved. But you've not lived this way. You've not lived like, like that. And so now the Lord starts to knock on your heart and says, hey, hey, listen, you're not in VBS anymore. How about today? How about today you surrender? Well, I don't know what'll happen. What'll happen is he'll come into your heart. He'll forgive you of your sins. It's the best gift ever. Well, then I'll be labeled one of those Christians. No. You'll just be a follower of Jesus. Wow. But if you're here today and you're going, man, I'm, I don't know, Ben, I don't know. Here's a question that they asked me when I was 17 years old. They asked me, hey, are you saved? And I go, I don't know what that means. I don't know. And they said, if you died, would you go to heaven? And you know what I said? I hope so. I'm crossing my fingers and my toes. I think my good is, is, is good enough. I, I didn't murder anybody. I didn't steal. I didn't lie. I mean, you know, I, I think I've lived a pretty good life. But you know what? The bottom line was is that I didn't have Jesus in my life. I didn't have him in my heart. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. If you're here today and you go, Ben, you know what? You were talking to me, and I've got to be honest with you, man. 
I came here and I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. I do. Listen, you may feel like you're a million miles away from God, but your one decision from coming back to him and watching him change your life and doing incredible things, you're one decision away. But he says, I am willing, but you have to make that decision to say, yes, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow God. What do I have to do? Let's make it simple. If you're here today or you're watching online or you're listening by radio, will you, will you just lift up your hand to God? Just in a minute, I'm going to ask you, just lift up your hand. You go, Ben, people are going to see me. This is weird. No, lift your hand so God can see your heart. This is the most important thing. Why? If Jesus takes eternity seriously, so should we. You lift up your hand. God wants to see my heart. Okay. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it might be a prayer, hey, I've been backslidden. I'm ready to come forth. It might be, Pastor, I've never done this before. But it's the great exchange. You're going to take your heart full of sin and, and guilt and all this stuff. And you give it to God. He's going to clean it up. He's going to give it back to you. It's a beautiful thing. Trust me. I only have one regret. I only have one regret about giving my life to Jesus at 17. One regret. You go, what was that? That I didn't do it earlier. Because he's never let me down. He's never forsaken me. He's always been there. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, um, and, we, and we confess. We confess our hypocrisy. We confess to you, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us so that we don't live a life of hypocrisy, but we do our very best to honor and glorify you. And Lord, when we're wrong, we confess when we're wrong. And when we're right, Lord, we don't have to brag about it. We just want to glorify you in all that we do. Lord, help us to live more like you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're going to teach us. Thank you for those that, that are here today that might, might want to get saved, might want to say yes to you. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here today that said, Pastor, um, you were talking to me. You are talking to me. I want, I, want to be, I want to be a Christian. I believe in him. You didn't convince me, but the Holy Spirit inside said yes, that I'm not right with you. Would you, would you do me a favor? If you're not right with God today, you go, what does that mean? Listen, ask yourself one question. If I were to die today, would I go to heaven? Would I go to heaven? And if you go, I hope so, I can't answer that, I don't know, then I have some good news for you. All you have to do is surrender your life today, and you can know. You can say, yes, I know. Why? Because Jesus died for me. Would you do that for me right now with every eye closed, every head bowed? Those of you watching online, those of you maybe uh, by podcast or, or on the radio, if God is speaking to you today, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to get right with God. We're just going to give you an opportunity real quick. All you have to do is just say yes. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the work you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do even more. Lord, there might be some hands that should have went up. That's between you and them. But I pray that today they would surrender their life to you. And I pray for what you're going to do Wednesday. And I pray for what you're going to do next Sunday. And I just give it to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's worship, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. 
You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.